0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Minal's World and this week I'm releasing part two of Gurinder's episode. Last week Gurinder started to talk about her journey of miscarriage and she spoke about how through this journey she also lost her father as well and I had to divide into two episodes because it's so difficult to put it all in one because it takes time to digest a story like hers and the, the funny thing is I never even got a chance to speak to her about her life after uh she she gave birth to her daughter simron which is something you will hear about in this episode because her whole journey just changed her life she did tell me that she left her job and she's started working as a life coach to help other women but this is something i never got a chance to speak to her about because her story and her journey was so powerful and so important to put out there that maybe one day I can get Gurinder back on and we can talk about the rest of her journey. Um, thank you to everybody who's emailed and messaged to say how much they enjoyed this episode. Remember, this is also available on YouTube. It's a feature interview that I've released as a full video that you can find on YouTube. If you just search for Minal's World and if you subscribe, that would be great. It will help us as well to build our channel. So this is part two with Gurinder. And if you haven't listened to part one, I highly suggest you do because part one is really important to allow the continuation of the story. And um, I'm really sure you'll enjoy this episode because it will give you hope and it will show you the true meaning of resilience.
1: So Gurinder, when you were real to bereavement suite, did that, is that when something clicked that this is? Y- yes and no. So
2: I thought, okay, yes. So I'm going to deliver my baby right now. Everybody's there waiting for me at the end of the bed. What is happening? What's going on? It was a shock. But then everything that I was feeling, all the contractions, they just all slowed down. And I was so confused because I thought, I thought baby's coming now. And people were saying, when baby comes, we're going to inject you because of blood clots or whatever. They were saying this stuff. And I was like, OK, do what you need to do. But then, you know, the urgency kind of went and pe- mid- the midwife started going. And I thought, what's happening? Um, And what was happening was my labor had slowed down and I think those contractions were for my waters breaking but then the baby wasn't coming and it felt like everybody was a bit confused um and then I got a scan done I think it was that same day and they said baby's still there her her heart is still this was a girl too her heart is still beating it's just that your waters are broken and so the fluid around her has now gone and you are at risk of infection now because the fluid that's protecting her has gone and then I thought okay you said there's a heartbeat so that we we could be okay and then that glimmer the next monkey bar Mm. like there's a bit of hope here again um We've got a heartbeat. What do we do to replenish this fluid? Come on. Let, yeah. does the, And I was asking these questions. Can the fluid replenish? Can you do anything to help? Yeah. Um, and I was told, yeah, the, the fluid does regenerate. And I don't know if this is how it does, but I was just drinking water, water, yeah. water. Because I just thought, let me do whatever I can, can do because yeah. she is still fighting. Her yeah. heart is still going. It's still beating. Um, and then we got to the evening and it seemed calm, and I slept a little bit mm-hmm. and we woke up the next day,
1: and so you were just sort of waiting for things to get better. baby will be okay. that's what I was I going thought through it can't there's a chance yeah. like yeah. it might be okay and
2: the midwife we had that next day she was just the most incredible angel on this planet, and she spent time with me and Suki, and she um talked to us and held our hands and ordered us food and just she was such an angel and the day felt nice the day felt good it felt like it might be okay and we didn't talk about funerals and we didn't talk about all this stuff that had been planted in my mind the night before hmm. um, and then when she went off duty she said I'm going on holiday now so I won't get to see you but I'll phone tomorrow from holiday because I want to see how you're doing and I just thought no have a brilliant holiday um and then the next day so we had a little scan before she left because she said let me just check that the heartbeat's okay and heartbeat was there and Mm -hmm. she goes oh who knows yeah um and I felt good then tried to sleep again um the next day, different midwife on shift. It all felt a bit different. It felt a little bit darker than the day before, mm. um, and because I was going to have my baby then, um, my baby was delivered. So like, my contractions th- started again. Again,
1: and then yeah, and so when you were going through these contractions. Did you still feel that you were going to deliver your child with a heartbeat or did you feel like this is, this is it now? It was bizarre because I don't want to keep talking about going to the toilet, it's all right. <laughs>
2: yeah. but I, I went to the loo and I could feel her head yeah, quite low and I wasn't feeling much in the way of contractions, but I was feeling something, um, And because I felt her head and I I thought, she's coming right now. And, I, you know, you you have emergency cords. The emergency cord was pulled. I had all these doctors and nurses into the room. And I said, she's coming. And I'm on the bed and they're ready to deliver her. And they're like, you're not. She's not there. Your cervix is closed. And I'm like, no, I've felt her head. I know the difference. I know what my baby's head feels like, um, and then it all quietened down again. And I said, "Can someone needs to check because something yeah. is going on?" Yeah. And so they finally oh. wheeled in. So you
1: felt like you were ready to deliver your child. Yeah. But the the doctors were saying that there's like you weren't dilated or no. Oh. So this was bizarre, and I still haven't quite got to the bottom of this.
2: But um, then they brought in a machine to do a scan. One sonographer's doctor scanned me and she said, I can't see, you feel, see a heartbeat. Um, and she said, I'm actually struggling to find the baby too. And then another one came in and she checked and she said, yeah, I can't feel a heartbeat. Oh, there's something there, but that could be your heartbeat. And it's like, "I what do what is going on? In, yeah. And she said, baby's very low. And then this most senior um doctor came in and she said, Your baby's actually here and she literally just kind of pulled her out. So I didn't have any contractions or anything at that point. They just pulled her out. And so I was not expecting in that moment to see for my baby to be delivered because I didn't have what I expected to have. I didn't have the contractions. Yeah. I didn't and I was being scanned. Like I didn't I just didn't get there it. There was
1: so much going on. There was too much going yeah. on. Yeah. And that is the point at which my daughter, Gia, was born, sleeping. At this time, you were obviously thinking about your father as well, because you lost your father. You were trying to find that happiness of getting to the stage of your pregnancy, Mm. but then also grieving the loss of your father. I mean, I'm not going to ask you how you felt, because... I mean I don't think you can answer probably answer that question because it was probably a point where you felt so numb. I felt numb, yeah. And I
2: was so Gia had been born, but and my did, plac- you,
1: did you think of Gia as a name? We'd thought of name? that
2: literally the day before when we were in hospital right. waiting for the checkup that day.
1: Why 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 Gia? um it just
2: felt we had a couple of options it is a beautiful
1: name yeah
2: we had a couple of options the day before um but this was the one that at the time my husband was like it's Gia yeah and the meaning heart spirit soul it just kind of all connected and it just felt right um but the feeling of feeling numb so I delivered Gia but then my placenta didn't come out and I had to go into surgery to have that removed and I can't tell you how happy I was to have anesthetic because it was just like just numb everything for a bit and the anesthetist was like really funny and it's I was in a different room so it felt like I could just I don't know switch off pretend that it didn't mm -hmm. happen or just be in a different space and I could have some time to just collect myself um and then when the surgery was done and I came back into the room, it was a bit like, I'm, I think I'm ready to face this now. Whereas before it was like, I can't, yeah. I can't continu- I don't know what's going on because mm. you were just scanning me. And now you've just pulled my baby out. Um, and we, that's when we, I sorted myself out a little bit. I had a shower, I felt a bit presentable and I thought I'm ready to meet my daughter now. So I didn't hold her as soon as she was born. Um, And my husband and I, we got ourselves sorted and it felt, it felt really, it felt nice to meet her and to hold her and
1: to just be with her. Wow. Yeah. Because I mean, you're talking about holding your baby. I, I just remember the day Radhika was born. And they, because they, I had a C-section, yeah. they lifted her up and my husband went to, to see her and then they, they brought her towards me. And I remember looking at her and I looked at her eyes and I said, I'm so grateful to be holding you. I'm so yeah. grateful to hear and see you breathe on top of me Yeah. because the nine months were tough with her. And to finally hit that end stage and say, it's over. Mm. Finally, like now I can breathe. Now I can just get be myself again you know yeah but that didn't happen with you because from that point on you weren't gonna go home with your baby yeah you had to you had to leave your baby there so what did you say to Gia when you held her for the first time oh so much
2: we had some religious music playing in the background and yeah, I just said what I would say to my daughter. Um, she was perfect. She actually was perfect. Everything you could, I could even see like whose fingers and toes she oh, had. Wow. Um, yeah, she was perfect, and I just, I just whispered some things to her.
1: And your husband was with you as well yeah. at the same time.
2: And he did the same.
1: Yeah. he said what he needed to say yeah. and held her. And then where did you go from there? I mean, did the hospital, because I'm only asking because I don't actually know the, the mm. process. I mean, does the hospital take the baby or do you decide what to do with, th- how does it work? So, um,
2: that, so you have a choice. You can have the baby in your room in a, a cuddle cot, which yeah. is a cool, cool cot, so they can stay okay. Um, you can have them with you or you can have them in the chapel of rest or in another room in the hospital. And I remember when we met GM and we had some time with her and it got to the nearer to the evening. And my husband said, I think she should, you know, I think we should go now. Like yeah. it's getting painful. Yeah. Um. And I said, okay, okay, that's fine. I wasn't thinking, I didn't mm-hmm. know what to think or what to do. And the midwife came and she took, Um, the cuddle cot out she took Gia out and I just burst into tears and I just said I can't do that like my daughter is in this hospital and they've just put her in a different room I can't live with myself that she is somewhere away from me you must get the midwife back in here and you must bring her back in and my husband said because he could see that it was it's, it's painful and maybe for him it's it was prolonging the goodbye because we're bringing her back in now but I needed to do it and at that point I didn't really care what he was saying Mm -hmm. I just knew it was wrong that she was in a different room and so the midwife brought her back in and instantly I was happy I was like oh I feel okay now she's safe she's with me and that night it was it was really bizarre but I'd get up to go to the toilet and I'd just check on her like you would your baby. And, you know, I'd open my eyes and just see her there. And
1: that's all you have. And I think you didn't probably want to let go. Because that's what you've always dreamed of, having your baby with you, next to you. And And so
2: I'm really glad that I pushed through with... She must be there because those are the memories that I have. And I knew that before long, they are going to wheel her out. I'm going to be discharged and.
1: You will have to part I'm away. never going
2: to see oh. her again. Like, I want to spend as much time with her as I can. And so that's what we did. Um, Do you
1: feel that maternal side come out of you? Oh, like, completely. I'm a mother now. And that.
2: Completely. And I think from that second of she can't leave the room, like, she yeah. must be with me. And. Um, I want to hold her a bit more and I want to say a bit more to her and what am I going to put with her so that she's got a bit of us with yeah. her when we leave the hospital and so yeah, that all of that kicked in um, and a lot of stuff medically kicks in as well so I was told, expect your milk to come in mm. and they gave me an injection to stop that happening because you forget, you've just given birth your body's given birth body's it doesn't know that the care. baby has died wow um, so there was injections and things happening to stop things happening in my body. Um, and, yeah, so motherhood, that feeling of being a mum
1: completely yeah. kicked in. And then after Gia's, you know, was, was taken away from you, um, I'm sure you were still... Did you wish your dad was with you? Um
2: that's an interesting question, because I wouldn't have wanted my dad to experience the pain of all of that. I wanted him to be there for me. Mm.
1: Are you glad in some way he didn't see that? There's a squirrel just
2: there. I yeah. always There's always signs of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, So yeah, he didn't see that, he didn't have to experience that, but one way that I made sense of everything, because this is something, if you lose someone, you have to find a way to make it make sense, and for me to make this whole few months make sense was, I created this story. My dad is the only person I would have trusted with my daughter to look after her, to bring her up, to bring her up how I would have brought yeah. her up. Um, and so my story was he, you know, Gia wasn't gonna make it. He had to go ahead of her and he had to get her home ready. And he, you know, he's there. And I felt that comfort that he, Gia is now with him. And that's why they both had to go. I don't know if this is true but this is my story and this is the story that I choose to believe to make sense of things and to make it um that bit more bearable yeah and and yeah I found real comfort in that knowing that she was in a safe place she was safe with the person I trusted most and he would do good by her You know, my dad had four daughters of his own and now he would got his first granddaughter yeah. and he's going to look after her. That's
1: such a beautiful way of looking at it. Um, you've created a a story that is soothing yeah. to your soul and to me as well. Yeah. To think about, you know, I can even picture it in my head your father welcoming Gia saying, come with me, and yeah. I'll take care of you now. But now you have Simran, and Simran's in your life. Yeah. And I think I, I said this to you on the phone when we had our first conversation. I think Simran's a beautiful name. How, how was that pregnancy? Because, I mean, it happened, right? Mm. all these tries and attempts and ups and downs ended with a beautiful girl that you have now with you and you just dropped her off to nursery. And I'm sure there was a point in your life where you never thought this would even happen, where you would drop your daughter to nursery and then, you know, pick her up and do all these nice things. So what was it like then to have Simran on the
2: the eighth
1: attempt? Eighth attempt now. Um,
2: This one felt different because after having Gia, I was, I was ready to talk to the whole world about her and all of that silence from before that, oh, I can't hurt anyone. I don't want to upset anyone. All of that. It was just like, I've had a daughter. So you said the motherhood bit kicks in. I've had had—I've had a daughter and her name is Gia and she will always be part of me. She will always be part of my life. I will talk about her. And that's when I started my blog. I needed space to just share all of this story and there was that was therapy to just come to acceptance with everything that had happened to let my words just pour out of me and to heal and so that
1: that needed to happen before I embarked on another pregnancy and you just needed do you, do you feel like you just needed a bit of a, a space to say let me get myself together now Let me get myself together, but also
2: I'm not gonna keep quiet anymore. There's so much to talk about. There's so much that has happened. There is so much going on behind closed doors in lots of people's lives, and we need to just be there to support them. But first and foremost, was I've had a daughter and I'm gonna talk about her and I'm gonna honour her. And if anybody around me is uncomfortable with that you need to deal with that and go through That's your a new journey. problem. Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm gonna talk about her and all of that.
1: So then I started the blog. Sorry, and... Grunda, I'm just you know, just like talking to you now and seeing you now, you seem proud of Gia. I completely very, am completely like you know, you, you met her for a short period of time. Yeah. But you speak about Gia as if she's here with us her still and you seem to be so proud of her to have made it. Mm-hmm. And you said you've said goodbye to her with a lot of pride. Mm. And I think that's a very beautiful thing in itself, there because we talk about miscarriages and stillbirths and these are children mm. of parents mm. and you talk about you with so much pride, like this is, this was my daughter. Yeah, she is my daughter. Yeah. Um, and she may
2: have gone on ahead of me, but she completely changed the course of my life. And I wouldn't be the person that I am today doing the things I'm doing today had it not been for having her.
1: This might sound like a very, it's a very spiritual question, but do you feel like you'll meet her again? Yeah. If you would meet Jia, what would you say to her? Oh, I don't think there are any words. It's just that holding her. i thank her. Yeah. Because she, as you said, she made you share your story yeah and be open um and i'm sure some part of having jia gave you i know we've spoken a lot about hope but you got to month five with jia mm. then you probably thought well maybe i can go a bit further in the next pregnancy so yeah. although the experience with jia was tough mm. you still want to try again
2: in the immediate aftermath of having her, I remember saying to my husband, I was like, I'm not doing this again. I just can't do it. Like, if I have to go through this again and give birth and not take my baby yeah. home, I can't do it. And I remember being really emotional, literally in the car park of the hospital. Saying no, never again, let's stop this. This is ridiculous. But you
1: also mentioned that when your husband had pa- your father had passed away a few months before, mm. one of your sisters was about to give birth. Yeah, did she give birth and that was all okay? She gave birth four days after my dad died, and her pregnancy was fine, her yeah. delivery was okay. Yeah, so wow, yeah, your family went through a lot. Of- and then a few months after I lost Gia, was my youngest sister getting married. Wow. So
2: that year. 2016 was just... Up, down, up, down.
1: Whoa. Yeah. You, you couldn't have written what happened in 2016. Yeah. yeah. And then when you had Simran, what was what were those nine months like? Okay, so the healing happened by talking. Yeah.
2: And I needed that. Yeah. Um, and I also carried on with acupuncture, yeah. carried on with mm-hmm. eating well. And the consultant that I mentioned earlier, who um, was there when I had the missed miscarriage and the one who was there when he told me my I was nine centimetres dilated, that I, I had a connection with this yeah. guy. And I said I would like him to be in charge of my care next yeah. time around. Um So I didn't want to go to the recurrent miscarriage clinic. I wanted to go to my local hospital with this consultant. And he opened his arms to me and said you whatever you want in this next pregnancy I'm here and you know the plan that he put together and the fact that he'd see me every two weeks and I have his mobile phone number I'm not sure if i meant to um but it was like I've got a direct line to somebody who is helping me and if there's any worry I'm gonna reach out to him and um he was instrumental i think in that pregnancy um and one of the reasons why i i could that that pregnancy wasn't filled with like anxiety it was a little bit but not as much as you might mm. expect having heard all of my journey um and that came through i think a number of things so it was the consultant care it was the healing and the freeing myself from the silence yeah. that i was holding um and it was me surrendering and I say that in relation to my faith because in that pregnancy I didn't pray God give me this child I just said you do what is right you know what is right and I trust everything that you're doing so over to you kind of thing
1: and And do you you feel that because mainly because what you went through with Gia, brought something to you that you never thought you would have? I think it was... There's so much we can try and control
2: yep. everything. And I was looking to try and control this by saying, right, science is telling me this. Yes. You, yep. All of that stuff that I was saying about, um, you know, the percentages of this and that. And I was looking for something concrete, something tangible, something to f- fix this and sort it out. But ultimately... It was it was in saying, uh, my faith is strong. And I said, God, over to you. Yeah, You know what you're doing. And, you know, I trust what happens, happens. And it took a lot of pressure off me mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I must do this and I must do that. It was like, I'm going to just be. I'm going to take every day. And for the first time in any pregnancy, I'm going to embrace this time being pregnant. Yeah. Because... Mm-hmm there is no safe zone for me but I can be creating a connection to my baby and that's what I want I don't want to run from Mm. it like I'd been doing previously like hiding it all because I don't want to believe that it's going to happen in case it doesn't Mm. so this was the first time where I would I would touch my bump and I would talk to my bump and you know slowly slowly the pregnancy progressed and um I had a cervical stitch in that pregnancy as a precaution. Um, and I had these two weekly checks, and it was just, it was completely different to the other pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I seemed to relax into it, which is surprising yeah. considering the story.
1: Yeah. When you had Simran, you had your baby, she had a heartbeat. Yeah. She was healthy. And you had your family, you had that image that you were dreaming of for so many years come to life. What was that moment like when Simran Simran was born?
2: It was bizarre. So I had a C-section, elective C-section, and it was, it was weird. Like I look at pictures of me because I said to my husband, take lots of pictures um and I have pictures of me with you know the hat that they put on you it's all bent and I'm looking a bit funny (laughs) um and I'm holding her and it's I remember the tears coming and the feeling of my goodness I knew I was going to be a mum I felt it in every part of me and she is here my living child Simran is here yeah and I just wanted to like get going on that journey and feel what other mothers feel in taking their child home yeah. and doing all the stuff that you do and seeing who she is mm-hmm. like me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was
1: all encompassing and very joyful. You talk a lot about hope going there. Mm. I mean, I can, I can spend hours talking to you because your story is incredible. You might have to edit this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. This whole story needs to go out. <laughs> what does what hope mean to you?
2: It's that feeling that it's going to be all right. And that doesn't mean you're going to get the outcome that you so long for, but the feeling that it's going to be all right regardless, and that you're going to be all right. And it's, it's, that's all it is for me. It's that, that little niggle that, you know, don't ever give up. It's going to be okay. Mm. It may not be the story that has been written generations ago and what is expected of us. Your path might be completely different, but whatever your path, it's going to be okay and lean into it and see what it's revealing to you. Mm. See what's coming.
1: Yeah. Thank so there you. will be something. Thank you, Garendra. I mean... I, I knew about you. I heard about your story, but I never thought, I never imagined it would be, in this way. So thank you for sharing your story, girl. And I hope, this episode encourages other women to speak up about mm. what they're going through. Not so much speak up, but also, find that comfort that mm. they're not alone. Yeah. Uh, because especially in our communities, it's something we don't speak about, or we're too afraid to. Um, but I really. I really feel the story can help so many women. So, thank you for sharing everything, Gurinder. And Thank My you for pleasure. being so candid that's and so okay. open. I'm sorry. I'm and sorry if I've we... gone into too much detail, no, I mean, I said the a- word who. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry we got the waterworks going, but thank you, Gurinder. <laughs>
0: And there we have it. That's Gurinder's story. And uh, as I said, getting these interviews done can be can be quite difficult uh, with with lockdown and the pandemic. But I'm really going to try and make sure that I I release these shows for you at least once a month. I'll try have that aim that I have these full feature interviews because if you're sat down on a weekend having a cup of coffee, having a hot chocolate, these videos are nice to to, to watch. I feel because our guests can show their emotion and show their passion coming through and having my guest in front of me makes a whole world of a difference uh, with the interview. So thank you to everybody who's tuned in. And please do subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube as well, because this episode is available on YouTube as well. And please do share with your friends and family. And thank you again for showing all of your support and all of your love. And this is what keeps me going uh, to, to bring an episode to you every week. And next week, we have another p- tear-jerking episode. I'm really sorry. I bring a lot of a lot of sad stories. But these sad stories are stories of failure. And these stories of failures become stories of success, which is why I really want to share them with you. So stay tuned because we've got a great guest next week as well. So I'll see you all next week. Stay safe. The virus <laughs> hasn't left us. It's still around us make sure you keep safe, make sure your family is safe as well and sending you all lots and lots of love.